The views on this podcast are only the views of the people expressing them, even though they're right, you fuckers. Oh yeah, we also curse. Spoilers, people! We're gonna go through and talk about feminism and racism and all the isms out there that are bad isms. Is there a good ism? I don't know. Feminism's a good ism. Don't don't lump the entire point of our podcast in with the bad isms like chauvinism and sexism and racism, things that end in phobia that aren't actually phobias. Why is that? We all have an X chromosome, and therefore we all need feminism. My name is Bill. And I'm Noelle. <laughs> and that was the sloppiest opening ever. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. My spouse was literally trying to die. So I can see the mountain of monitors, and somebody's going to explode. So yeah, it's sloppy, but we're new at this. Fucking deal. This is what you get. We'll get sharper as time goes on. Well, now that we know that Noel's spouse is still living, we have a guest today. We're gonna get. We're gonna introduce him later, but we're gonna go through and deal with the boring stuff so he doesn't have to. Yeah, and you know, it's the usual boring stuff. Uh, like, subscribe, rate, review. Find us on Apple Podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts. I know there are like three, but if you could tell your friends that 
at least I'm funny when I'm angry and that if they need a laugh, they should come listen. That'd be great. But the ratings and the reviews and the likes and the subscribes help drive the business end, which only means we can then afford equipment so we don't sound like shit anymore. Um, I'll get a pop guard for my mic. Bill will get better equipment on his end. I might be able to afford to set up a little tiny podcast cave in my garage so that I can record without the peanut gallery crushing my en- crushing the intro or the cats getting in my way or whatever. So we need you to help us get and sponsors frankly, so we can put out a better show. I have no you. issue with the cats. Okay. I mean, I'm sure everybody would prefer to listen to me talk about my cats than talk about things that make me angry. That is a good... That's a good segue. Is that a good segue? Should we go into things that have made me angry in the past two weeks since well, you last got a podcast from us? We Before we go into that angry, because I want, I want our guests to be a part of that angriness, um, because... That is something that okay. I think that he would also be able to put some uh, some input in, and I think he deserves that um, in a good way. Uh, but not only like subscribe and everything like that, write us. Our email is simple. It's literally write us at xchromosomepodcast.com. We don't just want you to say hi. Give us questions. Give us stories. If you have an idea for future podcasts, let us know. If there's something that you think that you'd be a good guest on for the podcast, feel free to throw that into there. If you want to work on our blog with us, send us an idea for a blog post. I'm writing on the blog at xchromosomepodcast.com almost all the time. Um, Join our uh, Facebook page. Um, I tend to interact on social media a little bit more. No, we don't have a Twitter. No, we don't have an Instagram. Deal with it. We're old. Well, we have a Twitter, but we don't touch. We don't use it except to say, hey, here's a new thing on the site. Okay, so we have a Twitter, but it's boring. Um, if you want micro rants during the week, during the day, um, hit us up there because I'm always finding shit to be angry about and flipping tables and just, I can't handle all the amount of stuff. And now um, I want to shout out to listener John, who may not actually be a listener, so he might not hear this, but he has uh, interacted with us a little bit on the page and he has tagged me in a couple of things that I have then shared to the page in outrage. So, I mean, direct, find, find stories, tell us stories, direct us to things that feed into this we need intersectional feminism because because we need the intersectional feminism not only to work on feminism it really does go through to help fight all the other negativisms out there racism chauvinism things of that nature and we need to be able to have open communication about what's going on in the world today because for in fact one of the things that we're going to be talking about the show comes from one of the friends of the podcast that first brought it up and i posted it and noel flipped but we'll get into that very shortly there's so much to be angry about oh my god you guys you have no idea 
I don't even know where to begin. All right, so we went through and hinted at a lot of things, but we're going to go through and, and introduce our first guest of the podcast for our very first episode. Uh, this is the Merman from Durmstram. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, because when I asked him about his house, he was like, Durmstram. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I want to introduce my friend, Eric. Hello. Hi, Eric. I'm Eric. Oh, wait. That was that was a little too, we're having a meeting here. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, hi, I'm Eric. Uh, I am, in fact, a merman who went to Durmstrang. Uh, it was real interesting. I mean, there is a ship there, so we're assuming it's not landlocked. So. You would think that. Yeah. <laughs> so, I know Eric... Uh, for I mean we've known each other for like over like almost two years now, um. When before you started officially, uh, when you were kind of like in the in between phase. Oh yeah. Yeah. So you did as know Loki. me, uh, before I came out as trans. Yeah. Yep, I knew you when you were Loki. Um, I mean, I'm still pretty Loki. <laughs> But you, yes, you knew me when my Facebook said that instead of having Eric right. on it. Yeah. And Noel. Okay. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, I'm supposed to talk in here. Y'all were having such a good time. I figure I'll just sit back here and <laughs> and and let you do the 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 being dudes so that I don't have to do any talking because I'm exhausted from explaining. It's, shit it's to my guys job today. not to oh do the God. talking. <laughs> look i'm gonna put this out here and this is something i have i have a friend who's an who's an rn who works in infectious diseases she's on the aids clinical trials team uh unit at ohio state and she's an amazing woman she's been there for the whole struggle with wow. hiv um she's lost friends she's lost patients she's so excited to be at a point where people now don't know what to do with themselves because they have so much more life than they thought they were going to have. Um, and that we've gotten to a point where we can stop the transmission with mm -hmm. medication management. Um, so that's really awesome. But she said that sometimes you need a white guy. <laughs> I mean, she said a guy, but the implication is white guy to explain things to other white guys I, as someone who has not always been perceived as a white guy i can tell you that it is incredibly useful sometimes and surprising now how useful it is to be perceived as a cis white guy uh because you unlocked it you unlocked a hell of a cheat code oh my god i can't i would not recommend the actual like the the rest of the experience of being trans um in a lot of ways for a lot of reasons because of just how hard it is to not die um <laughs> i wish i was yeah. kidding <laughs> i understand it's some heavy shit and to figure it, it, it's heavy shit to figure out who you are regardless but it's heavier shit when when you figure out who you are is something that society is like ew gross no don't do that yeah that's Ever. that's a pretty succinct way of putting it actually 
<laughs> like ever just don't do that oh okay that's okay that's easy right <laughs> yeah just don't exist as yourself okay. and everything's fine <laughs> that's that's not okay and as a society we need to stop being that way like last decade i will say that um, we're a lot better about it than we used to be Look, we dug a hole to put that bar in <laughs> because the ground was not low enough. You're not wrong. <laughs> You're really, really, really not wrong about that. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, I will say definitely it has been useful to be seen as a cis white dude as often as I have lately. And that's why I'm on the podcast to be the cis white dude that's in the back. <laughs> yeah bill's the one because i i don't always have you know talkative ones who don't cry at the drop of a hat to push out in front of me and be like look he's going to explain I'm things go over here and have a drink um, while you're doing that i'm gonna drink yes as i put the guy in front Look, there's a dude involved, therefore I'm more validated because there's a and guy see, and here. And when I explain things wrong, um, she gets angry and I'm like, just listen to her. She's talking. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty wild. Wild as it is, we do have other wild things to talk about. Uh, this has been an exciting week in the rage that Noelle feels. Um, it's been a week of me writing like a fool and having all the feels and getting everything coordinated with this. So we're going to start with Noelle's topic of the week. Oh, they made me pick, but this one, I've been angry. I've been angry for days about this one, whereas the other ones are fresher and we need to let them simmer and I'll come back with something. I don't know how many different directions this ended up in my life, but it was several and it was friends on Facebook and it was people I just people from all directions and all different facets of my life brought up what the hell is her name tiffany whatever my whatever ex's name tiffany she's so irrelevant i don't even i, I haven't even committed her name to memory oh i didn't gonna... i think i did know that your ex's name was tiffany but it's such like i'm not surprised that this woman's name is tiffany and i'm sorry to everyone who's listening who's named tiffany who isn't an awful human you've done a lot of work to escape it <laughs> but like her name has escaped me because she's literally unimportant her name doesn't matter it's her attitude that fucking made me lose my shit i'm sorry i'm sorry aunt lois i'm swearing <laughs> and if you're listening to the podcast i apologize i'm saying words you don't like i warned you um i say fuck a lot i got it out of my system because She's a wonderful woman and she tries to support me and she may actually listen to this. Um, and I wanted to apologize for not being the girl she thought I was um, in private or with her, not officially in front of me. Um, but this attitude that the goth subculture belongs to a specific demographic. That's the thing that got this girl lit up because one her justification for her position was factually incorrect two i i found some books i found some books on amazon 
Oh, oh, we have to we have to ground this. We can uh, summarize. We gotta find her fucking bullshit now. No, but yeah, but I gotta I gotta reabsorb. Yeah. The bullshit, so that I can yell about the bullshit. Cause it needs to be. It does need to be yelled about, and as a goth who is fair skinned but also educated this is uh as one of my friends says some fresh fuckery oh my god oh here it is it's tiffany rose mylan milan all right i don't know Um, in ohio the way her last name is spelled is pronounced mylan i'm sure if you have been on the book face and are a goth let's go through and explain a little bit more about our facebook page it was cross posted there um, and it all started just, with just her so, commenting sorry, on a picture what's of an absolutely because... exquisite black man that Gothic is supposed to be. No, no, like. I don't say you have to quote Victorian her. era and was founded by the rich. This looks horrible. Unfriend me. I don't give yeah. a fuck. This is a style whites created. Quit taking our shit. One, she is factually wrong on several fronts, and here's why: the type of goth that is represented is most closely is most close to the cyberpunk style or industrial, which are two well-known subtypes of the overall goth subculture. It's the mask. It's the, it's the punk type clothing. That's a goth. And also he is a beautiful man. And thirdly, okay. Um, mutterings from the peanut from from the background um yes it's an indu- it, it is a more industrial style um other goths correct me on the page and shit give me your feedback on your take on his style it doesn't matter it's still everybody knows that's goth looking at him um more importantly the idea that there weren't black people in Victorian England is so incredibly wrong that I I found books. I found whole books correcting her. And I may even, in fact, put these on some lists to pick up. Um, the first one I found was Black Victorians, Black Victoriana by Gretchen Hallbrook Gerzina. Uh, the primary author, Joan Adam Addo, the a contributor, and John Turner, a contributor, and nine other contributors. The blurb from Amazon starts out with, Black Victorians, Black Victoriana is a welcome attempt to correct the historical record. Although scholarship has given us a clear view of 19th century imperialism, colonialism, and later immigration from the colonies, There has for far too long been a gap in our understanding of the lives of blacks in Victorian England. Without that understanding, it remains impossible to assess adequately the state of the black population in Britain today. Blah, blah, blah. And then it goes into this is where we were. This is where we are now. The essays taken as a whole also highlight prevailing Victorian attitudes towards race by focusing on the ways in which empire building spawned a subculture of blackness consisting of caricature, exhibition, representation, and scientific racism, which I have a whole separate rant on, absorbed by society at large. 
this misrepresentation made it difficult to bo be both black and British, while at the same time it helped construct British identity as a whole. Covering many topics that detail the life of blacks during this period, Black Victorians, Black Victoriana will be a landmark contribution to the emergent field of black history in England. The book was published in 2003. So there's a ton of scholarship on this. We can throw a whole bunch of links. I found just, I found a ton of stuff. There's so much that's not talked about, about black history, that her rank ignorance on the topic just goes to show how uneducated we are and how biased our education system is against talking about anybody who isn't predominantly white. And I'm going to say it predominantly male. So that's just, I can't anymore. But I've been enjoying watching the black goth community and the goth community at large together just drag this woman from one end of the internet to the other to the point where she is attempting to claim that she's being bullied when she's being called out. Yeah, what the is DEA that? is going to be on all of our asses. For I'd Christ love to see that. <laughs> yeah. You'd love sure. to see the drug like, enforcement agency just show up and... That's a logic set that I will never understand. Yeah. She printed out screenshots to take to the police who are not going to care. Because they have actual crimes... Like cyberbullying no is been a real thing, but there is a massive difference between cyberbullying and getting called for your shit. And like, there's no, no one is under any onus, especially when you're being a racist pile of crap, to like be nice to you in calling your ass out. Especially yeah. members of the community. Yeah, I saw a picture that of you're her. Attacking. Uh, pictures that she took of um, a bunch of Facebook comments. I'm just, bringing these to the I, DEA. I follow and... a bunch of different um, black perspective pages on Facebook, and she's popped up on every one of them. And there, and I've read the comments, and a lot of them have been like, "Now, does this person actually matter? I mean, why are we talking about her? Oh, oh, oh we're just showing up to, okay." <laughs> Okay, yeah, she deserves everything she's getting. Let's just sit back and watch this dumpster fire. It's amazing. It's nice and warm, and is it hella cold around here right now? <laughs> um, no, but climate changes. The, uh, the sad thing is I actually know um, in passing, uh, not, not like intimately but socially someone who has been <laughs> impacted by her shit like he posted about it I'm not going to name names but he was outraged that his family has done so much for somebody who was such a literal piece of trash Oh, like they helped her out and they've been you know trying to help her get straight with shit and then she's like this 
And That's always so disappointing when you've put that kind of energy and time into someone and you're like, thanks for demonstrating why apparently you're a dumpster fire. <laughs> we were trying to give you the benefit of the doubt. Global warming isn't real. I feel really bad <laughs> for this person and for everybody associated with that family because, I mean, they tried to do what was right and help someone out who was in need. And this is the thanks they get. Is they get... Uh, oh. They, they get to see that they have accomplished nothing. Yeah. It makes you cry. So, let's segue into something that's accomplishing nothing, but accomplishes everything at the same time. Uh, that may or may not make me cry as I talk about <laughs> this. Um, recently, a WWE pay-per-view has passed called the Elimination Chamber. In this match, in this main event match, we had ending with two wrestlers one known as daniel bryan who is now a bad guy he used to be known as the creator of the yes movement um but he's now actively against basically everybody because of consumerism which in, in on one hand you have to respect the guy but on the other hand he's being a dick about it and that's why it's not that's why he's getting booed the other competitor is a veteran of the WWE known as Kofi Kingston, uh, the veteran member of the New Day. Spoilers, people, if you still haven't went through and watched the pay-per-view event from two weeks ago, oh well. <laughs> um, in the end, it, was, it came down to Kofi and Daniel Bryan. And Kofi has had less than maybe five overall title shots. And the WWE has a lot of titles. But he has very few actual singles title shots. The New Day is known for having the record for having the longest streak having the tag team titles. But when it comes down to regular individual titles, Kofi's just not there. Um, he lost the match to the whole entire arena's disappointment. Um, they were cheering him all the way every time he got so close they the the real wanted him to win, so after Daniel Bryan won, he skedaddled out of the ring. Get out! Um, you had Kofi in the middle of the ring, lying down in the ring, face down on the floor, and the two other members of the New Day, uh, 
uh, Xavier Woods and Big E Langston run into the ring. They go through into the chamber. They get down on their hands and knees, cover their friend. And the thing that ticks me off about this the most is that the WWE has their full capabilities in their closed captioning to add captions to what's going on. And here you had three black men in the middle of the ring telling them, telling Biggie and Xavier, telling Kofi that they loved him. And they just kept repeating it over and over and over again. And men need to realize that this is something that you have to do when there's another dude in your life that you care about. You need to show that type of emotion. Um, the only reason that I'm not blubbering right now is because I've had practice um, kind of talking about this and writing about this for, you're like, like, you're welcome. for a week now. <laughs> um, but it's one of those yeah, things where it is what it is. you have the New Day who they started as a, a bad guy heel group, so to speak, but they've been promoting so much positivity in all their actions, all their interactions and things of that nature that they are trying to be a positive force, not just for people in general, but just showing a different side of what it is to be a man. And I went through after this was done, I went off and I got one of their bright orange pancake power t-shirts. Um, I wore it to work and they people told me that I looked like a bag of Reese's Pieces. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, they, they complimented the shirt, but it was like, it's a lot of, the shirt has okay. a lot of orange, That's brown, expansion on your blog yeah. I see where you see that. Um, but kind of woke me up with the, oh my God, I think. the whole entire thing, like, it's like, after I you, just woke up. It, then you go through and you watch the backstage interview. But non-toxic masculinity, but I just woke up. I haven't even had coffee yet. It's love and support and for yeah, each other. It's really cool. Talking about how and they are there to happens, be behind their friends. They are captured, and I guess that's why I get The whole entire point of this is to work to support each other, to get each other, just get Kofi to get his title, get everybody to see the power of because being positive blah, and I'm a fan, things of that nature and that they aren't um, done. What kind of football the is this? need to be um, commended uh, and the WWE need to oh, okay. go into their archives. Okay. In case we have international viewers who don't know who the Ohio State Buckeyes are. Closed captioning. Um, I don't because know everybody that's possible, that they're kind of a big don't, deal. doesn't hear it the first time, if you're like me and you they put subtitles on everything, program. you need to read it. They're actually ac- really academically solid and do a ton of cool stuff on that end. But um, their football team is a kind of an NFL factory. Uh, but that for recruiting purposes, they make these pregame hype videos that are like cuts of locker room conversation and parts of the field and different aspects of game footage that has been spliced better, spliced together better than a lot of trailers for blockbuster movies are cut. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but a lot of the a lot of the words they use we don't you don't do this for yourself you do it for the person next to you for the person behind you for the per you know on your left on your right you do it for your brother and just this the culture of the team is one of uh community unity and love and respect for each other and when they show the team captains because they'll they'll show team sometimes team when they talk about the brotherhood and some of the cuts this year have had the team captains walking out for the coin toss. These big, these big physical freaks of nature, you know, they're in, they're young men in flawless physical shape and they're six foot plus and they're 200 some pounds. They're just, you know, they're, they're, they're demigods. They're terror. They, they would terrify me to, be anywhere near any of them because they're all huge and they could squash me but they're walking out and they have their fingers interlaced with each other's hands and they've got each other's elbows tucked up against their sides and they are holding each other's hands so tightly that they're and they're moving together at the same pace these this they are one cohesive beautiful thing to see how much they care about each other because the other teams don't i mean they'll link arms mm -hmm. but this isn't the traditionally the interlacing of your fingers with someone you're holding hands with is an emotionally intimate gesture these people are not afraid these these, these young men are not afraid to be openly emotional um they're not afraid to show how much they love each other and they're not afraid to praise each other openly um, to the media because their media uh, interviews after games and before games are just amazing. They don't talk about themselves. And it's like the we love you, you deserve this, this was yours, we'll, you'll get one, we'll get there, you were amazing, that sort of praise after the wrestling match. And it's always beautiful to see when Man, the the manliest of activities: wrestling, football, basketball, sport. You know these yeah. these these manly, traditional, masculine spaces are full of this tenderness and vulnerability. Yeah. So I'm not even sure. When did Rampage? I'm going to Google really quick when Rampage came out. It. I got it. You talk. Uh, so this is a movie based on the video game Rampage. Uh, it looks like 2018. Okay. Yeah. Um, the original game is pretty old. Um, I actually didn't really have a gaming system as a kid so i didn't play this so i watched the movie without knowing as a vi video game but kind of being like eh, this seems like it would be right so i don't i don't actually watch a lot of tv i don't watch a lot of movies i've watched a little bit more now um but rampage happened to be on tv and my roommate is an amazing painter her name's christine Banner, about and she does day, painting Kofi. and animation and so much another stuff. former college football uh, player turned wrestler she was sitting working on some stuff and we were watching um, tv we're actually keeping her awake <laughs> while she was working so, on a project Eric, you were telling us she about says, oh my rampage. gosh rampage is on tv oh but it's almost over 
I was like, what is this? She says, oh, you haven't seen this? You're going to love this. So she pulls it up on on demand. And it is about a massive gorilla, a massive alligator, and a massive wolf, I guess, tearing through Chicago. And I'm like, it's a kaiju movie. This is great. I need to go to bed. She's like, well, I'm going to watch it. I'm like, okay. So, so you watched I watched the whole, the whole movie. movie, but... I, I honestly need to start at the beginning of this because I was so impressed literally from the drop of the hat here. It opens up on the space station, um, whatever it's called, the, the one that we have that all of, the U, all of the countries that can get to space, they send astronauts, uh, and the International Space Station. And the astronaut that you see uh is bloodied there's literally like limbs floating by in the background sort of thing and you're like oh my gosh some terrible thing has happened here it's aliens i don't know uh but the astronaut is a woman which isn't surprising now because there's plenty of female astronauts in space it's awesome but in a movie like this it's literally, it's like a big dude taking on kaiju kind of movie, right? It's featuring The Rock. You're going to expect it to be pretty by the book. Every opportunity that they had to flip a gender script in this movie, they took. The only astronaut you see is a woman. Right. There's nothing about the fact that she's a woman. It's just, this is an astronaut script. And normally you would see that cast as a man, but they were like, nope, we're going to go with a woman because we can, there's nothing that says we can't. And the entire movie is like that. Every time that they have an opportunity to cast someone who would typically be like a super macho guy or something like that, they cast it as a woman um, or a person of color, or both, in the case of the doctor who helps save the whole day in the whole thing. Her name, because I should be better at this, oh, uh, is Kate Caldwell. She's played by Naomi Harris. Uh, the other thing that I loved about her character, about uh, Naomi Harris's character, is that uh, she is an ex-con. Like, work that she did at some point, she ends up actually going to prison, and she comes out... Uh, and it's after she's come out of prison, but it's like the fact that she went to jail and is an ex-con is one of those nasty people use it against her to like detract from her. And it's made clear that this is bullshit. Like you don't get to hold this against her because she's amazing. And she went to jail for a BS reason anyway, which is so true for so many people of color. Like, we can talk about the marijuana incarcerations, you know, the bajillion of them that have happened disproportionately to people of color. And they all end up, um, you know, now it's being legalized and they're still in jail. They're not getting any reparations. All the people who are, you know, now running dispensaries and stuff like that are all, you know, white males. <laughs> For the most part, let's be honest, white men run the world and they need to stop it because they're bad at <laughs> terrible, it. Quite terrible <laughs> at it. Uh, I can tell you as a white guy. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I just was so incredibly excited about this that I did not get enough sleep that night, which is not unusual for me. But 
uh, I just can't, I can't speak highly enough of people taking the opportunity to flip the script, because if you, there's so many places where you do have the opportunity to, to flip the script. And if you are a person who has access to any kind of platform in any regard, you should be taking, it is literally your responsibility. Like, and I understand the weight that I say that I have in saying that if you have a platform, it is your responsibility to bring other people up onto that platform with you is literally your responsibility as a human being, because you're not a, you're the phrase, no man is an Island is kind of like not big enough to encompass this. Like, humanity is completely interdependent on each other and on our environment and on so many factors that the fact that we have so much isolation of public image, not to mention property, uh, we're literally killing ourselves. So getting to see the, the thing about this is I'm not surprised that this is a thing that happened because Dwayne, the rock Johnson is a person of color and he understands already and implicitly how incredibly lucky he is. And he's a Hufflepuff. And he's a Hufflepuff. <laughs> to just, but to have the image that he has and the reach that he does, it's, in, it's incredible. And, and I love that he's doing it. And I really think that it should be something that should be happening way more and shouldn't just be on the plate of people who are people of color you know because it's you know i i have mentioned before in other podcasts how much of a fan i am of the fast and the furious series and that is so dominated by people of color and it is by design especially since um my brain just went flat hang on I just want to say the first time I knew about Eric's love of the Fast and the Furious was on my old podcast where he brought it up for the first time. And I'm like, I did not know this. He's like, what? You How can you know, know me for this me? long and not understand that I'm a massive fan of the Fast and the Furious? Because it's a, I would say it's a problem, but it's not actually a problem because it's a wonderful thing um, that I want to share with the whole world. Um, so Vin Diesel is also a person of color. And the since he's gotten artistic direction of the Fast and the Furious franchise, it has only got a gotten way better. So anyone who saw, you know, that awful thing that was the third one, <laughs> Tokyo Drift, just pretend it doesn't exist. It it really is not demonstrative of the rest of the series. And he didn't have creative control at that point. So anyway, I, what I'm saying is it should not just be on people of color like Vin Diesel or Dwayne The Rock Johnson to be the people who are flipping the script and inviting in other people of color and giving them a spotlight that is really incumbent on particularly the white men who unfortunately run the world. So that's, that's my, that's my Dwayne the Rock Johnson uh, update, I guess. <laughs> it's, go see Rampage. So it's great. <laughs> and by go, I mean like it is, is on demand. Just go get it. It's, <laughs> buy it on google play so people know that it's amazing like media needs like come on we would not have eight fast and the furious movies if they were not great and people didn't want to see people of color and women in great powerful positions well i am a fan of the rock 
Um, I actually did play the old Rampage video game on the Nintendo when I was a, a young lad. <laughs> um, I mean, it's a cabinet <laughs> game, but y'all can be young things. That's fine. Um, hey, I'm older than you. Not by much, but I am. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, but I knew, Ram- I knew Rampage is a cabinet game. I didn't even know it had a... Uh, port to yeah, they ported everything to the NES. Just so, yes, they can board things on the NES. Uh, um, so be sure to check it out. Even though, um, actually, it's funny because when Eric brought up goes, you would, this is a the movie itself is bad, but it's so good because. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I see it's got to be better than the one that UA Bull made. Because in 2009, because literally a steaming pile of shit is better than a UA Bull movie. I can't say that I know enough about his work, but that's because I'm not very I mean, good at it. just just go watch Blood Rain. <sighs> oh, no, I did there. see part of that. Yeah, it's... And despite the fact it's about vampires, I had to walk away from it. Because it's so bad. Oh, my God. <laughs> and just, ugh, the rampant... He, they fucked up... He fucked up Dungeon Siege, too. And I watched some other fucking movie he made, and I was like, why is this such shit? This is supposed to be good. I'm supposed to like this. And then you see the director. <laughs> oh, that's why. Oh, that's why it's <laughs> oh, garbage. Oh, I almost I wanna blame I almost wanna blame him for the fucking first Silent Hill movie sucking, but he wasn't involved in that project. It was some other misogynistic shit peel shit heel that angers me. I don't remember much about the first silent hill movie i remember there's one of them that has a really creepy song in it that i love that's not helpful to anyone (laughs) uh they both borrow a lot from the actual game soundtracks so that must be it doesn't help there's a ton of creepy shit um there's one where uh cheryl's dad is replaced by a woman for reasons that uh Dads wouldn't go running off into the fog I mean, into would moms, city not really. and be vulnerable and scared. <laughs> I mean, I would, but <laughs> that's my fucking baby. I'm going to go find my fucking child. Any good parent, male, female, otherwise, is going to go find their goddamn child. Um, but the the director changed it to... Uh, Rose, De- well, they changed the last name from Mason to DeSilva, which, I mean, whatever, that's fine. That's not a big plot point. But the big plot point was Harry being a writer and not being up for this whole horror challenge. And that was part of the game is feeling helpless because you're this little random Joe dude facing things beyond your capacity to comprehend. And Did Sean Bean die in that movie? Yeah, Sean Bain was in the movie. Sean Bain played... Uh, Harry, who was supposed to be the main character. Um, instead, they gave it to, I mean, bless her, she did an amazing job. But the entire point of the game was the father-daughter relationship because mom was already dead and they were going on vacation together just... as part of the getting through their grief, which is why they were in Silent Hill in the first place. And so by adding this woman in, they the director who didn't think men could be vulnerable in the way that Harry was presented in the game that brought Jody Mason. She didn't even name her Jody. It's like the names are right there. It's in the fucking hand. It's in the fucking manual. Here's the manual. Here's the cutscene gameplay. 
make that a cool movie because the monsters were the monsters were exquisite. There were times I felt that you know press fucking X to jump through here. God damn it! Why did you drop your damn knife? You should have secured your weapon. That was the only thing you had. Why are you terrible at this game? Press F to play to pay respects. <laughs> but you know so many points of it were great and then the director had to fuck up one of the really cool parts about the game was that a you know there was this this father dealing with this this guy dealing with a whole lot of emotions and i'm so glad they didn't do a silent hill 2 movie because that guy would have fucked shit up anyway and i'm glad he wasn't involved in the silent hill 3 movie because the emotions were much better dealt with. I think that's like um, a central thing here. Like even going back to to your topic is like maybe I'm wrong about this because I was I was like a high school goth and I mostly wear black now because I work in theater and uh, it's actually kind of a waste of money for me to have things in other colors unless someone gives them to me. <laughs> uh, I don't, that's kind of a lie. I buy really colorful socks for myself because I usually just cram them into boots. Like one of the things that, that I feel like the goth subculture, one of the things that's attractive about the goth subculture is that it gives you space to deal with other sets of emotions other than what you have as, I guess, the typical set that are supposed to be allotted. Like that's why we love things like the crow because he's sad, like he's mourning and like okay yeah so he goes and kills a bunch of people but like there's an emotional vulnerability there that we see in him that is not something that you see typical in most movies um especially around like hmm? in male characters particularly in male characters yeah and that's like such a critical thing like that's such a huge part of i think goth culture in general is being able to explore all facets of your emotional life and the idea that that belongs to a specific, like that it belongs to quote unquote whites, right? That's ridiculous. That's especially when it comes to a subculture like goth, which does have such a huge international appeal. Like I remember seeing some of the most beautiful photos of like uh, African, like metal goth in their full regalia and just being so incredibly in love so incredibly in love just as soon as i saw it yeah the the just overall the 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 black goth community brings it hard um they bring uh, they bring steampunk which is a subset of goth and which traditionally if we're going to talk about victorian here we go we gotta (laughs) we gotta call out some steampunk here um, uh-huh. because there aren't enough people of color in steampunk. <laughs> Not in anything. But like, I'm sorry. Everything that I've ever seen. I mean, okay. <sighs> all right. First of all, black goths. I'm totally gonna pull a uh, a Monet. No, no, a Monet cart here of just being like stunning. Like, come on, absolutely stunning. But even if, even if you're, you know. A, a mall goth and your goth game is like kind of crappy like goth still belongs to everybody this is not something you get to say doesn't belong to someone and we all started crappy <laughs> my initial goth game was pretty weak sauce like i didn't even have black lipstick i had dark blue lipstick because you couldn't find black lipstick in western north carolina <laughs> 
You probably still can't find black lipstick in Western North Carolina. You can. But at least there's the internet yes, now. That's probably most of it. Actually, that part of North Carolina has gotten a little bit more because Asheville has gotten bigger. There's more places where you can find like alternate subculture, which is really weird to go back whenever I do go back. And I'm like, ah, look, you guys actually talk about things like sustainability. And you know how to spell it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, <laughs> there is there is too much the sass content in this podcast. Is too damn high. I don't know about that. <laughs> but yeah, just ugh, there are just not enough people. There's not enough representation of people who should absolutely be a part. There should be if steampunk is supposed to be based on the victorian era right (laughs) there should be india should be represented africa should be represented just not just england china should be represented i want some fucking awesome culturally chinese steampunk somebody do that somebody may do that or find that or both because that needs to happen, it would be fucking. I mean, amazing. I'm sure to a degree it does um, already exist, but it's I like what I love is people being like, "Oh no, Victorian Victorian England was like a just England thing." And I'm like, "Okay, first of all, no. Have you seen any of the Victorian houses that are here in the U.S.? And by the way, guess what? There were blacks in the U.S. during the U.S. Victorian era too. Don't know if you knew that, but apparently yeah. after the Civil War, black people just didn't exist anymore. Are you fucking kidding me? Anyway." And then there's also just like most of this hashtag aesthetic of Victorian anything was imported. Like the China, like there's a reason why China's called China. Come on. (laughs) Like, did you think it just happened to be the same thing by accident or some shit? Like we can go literally, if you want to talk about, by you, I mean, idiots who don't know what they're talking about. Like, if you go all the way back to, like, early medieval stuff and, like, we have this idea that, like, you medieval Europe was very white. It absolutely was not. It it hadn't been since, basically, people could walk. Like, <laughs> Northern Africa is very, very close to Southern Europe. There's been cross, like, cross-moving of humans for a really long time. These these cultures have never been visual monoliths. And, I mean, even more importantly, we're going to get into the, the folklore and the mythology of the Middle Ages. Here's a spoiler for all of you Arthur nerds who didn't know this. Sir Palamedes was black. He was yeah. Muslim. So... There you go. And his son, he and his sons were highly respected members of King Arthur's court, neither white nor Christian. It's It's canon. (laughs) It's canon. Sorry. There were black people in the Middle Ages canonically accepted in Europe as important people. And if you read Crusader accounts, like of actual people who lived in the Holy Land, they talk about how. Oh, oh, I don't hire European like like Europeans who stayed in the Holy Land. Oh yeah, I hire all my cooks from Egypt. They're much better cooks. Their food is delicious and they're really clean. 
or I was I was ranting at somebody about the contributions of, of yes. the golden age of Islam to the fucking rest of everything. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Islamic world. And most math. My coffee edition. Without you, I would not live. Um, and, and, you know, math and the pointed arch and medicine and literally everything. But I found this account uh, that where a, a, a European guy was dealing with a, a, a soldier with an, it, it injured, an injury and the Arabic doctor was like, no, you do this and I yeah. can probably save your foot. And this Christian doctor sails in and goes, no, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. We have to cut off your foot or you'll lose the whole leg and blah, blah, blah. And the the poor, poor white guy who didn't know not to listen to Christian doctors because they didn't know fucking shit. They're the sorts of people who waved incense at women to try to get their uterus to chill out. That's <laughs> no Western medicine. You. No, thank you. Um, I'll go with the people who actually who actually kind of knew shit. And could handle things um, like infection control. Um, I'll go with them. <laughs> What's that? That's uh, washing your hands um, and yeah. washing your surgical implements. This basic shit that we take for granted now. Ooh. Somebody had to invent that, and it was not Western medicine. Um, but the the patient went with the Christian doctor and died. I would say raise your hand if you're sepsis. confused, but it's a podcast. You can't see From or his can, not confused. Wound. Raise your hand if you're surprised, but it's a podcast. You can't see us. Literally. And none of us are surprised that the person, yeah, I'm not surprised that this died. I've read enough about European medicine in the Middle Ages <laughs> Literal to crap know shoot. that. Most, it was like, crap actually crapshoot. Like, and that you I in Ken Follett's Pillars of the Earth, they make a point of uh, Pillars of the Earth or World Without End. They're companion books, but there's sickness in one of them, and I've, they've blurred together because all I can remember is the giant church around which all of this centers. Um, there's sickness, and one of the nuns starts washing her hands with vinegar and starts pushing that. As a way to control well, the guy the who suggested everybody thought she was crazy. Sorry. The guy who Until suggested washing hands were... before things they were yeah. they basically made it's... him stop practicing medicine, and that was what seventeen, eighteen hundreds, something like All that. Right. Let's go. Let's go. Western medicine, and ladies and gentlemen, round some <laughs> yeah. things up because we had another topic that was wanting to be discussed that I think yeah. we should, might want to go um, into length about too because of its being important with that. Um, Eric, you brought up something when we were talking before the show about um, performative gender. Yes, and that actually does go back to the the showing emotion thing, right? Like, um, let's see, kind of collecting my thoughts here. So, you know, if we go back to showing emotion, experiencing emotion, it being outside what we in the you know the u.s centric and the western experience um our expectations for masculine gender performance is the only emotion you show is anger the only way that you process any emotion is anger which is why we see like the the repeating uh what do they call the the fridging women in fridges or whatever thing that they talk about fridging your characters yes 
in order to make people in, to, in order to propel the the guy to go and do something which is almost always a, an anger response because there isn't there is not never space made for the actual emotional thing and you the the direct like result of this honestly the fact that that the only idea that we're allowed to be angry and that's the only emotional outlet that men are supposed to have we end up with what noelle is uh spamming texting me with (laughs) we end up with things like incels and mass shootings and the way that the the ridiculous spread of domestic violence because men are like really spent up and they don't know how to have conversations about their emotions and so when they're called on things by their partners their way of responding to it is with anger and so then you end up yes it's just it's absolutely ridiculous that the way that these that we have said is the only way that you're allowed to process any that you that any way that you're feeling is through anger and this is how as again noelle is fantastic about the saying people are being shot for for saying no to men because men feel so entitled to whatever it is that they wanted and then when they don't get it the result is just to be angry and the way that they express that because the current dialogue is around like if you're going to get something done you're going to use a gun to do it (sighs) yes and you've kind of you're kind of got a foot on both sides of this now you've as you've moved through your life and evolved to be yourself you've kind of felt both sides of the socialization and it's something interesting I've noticed about men mm-hmm. who were socialized uh, feminine it's the only way I can think that's actually the way that I tend to say we tend to describe language uh, trans masculine people who were socialized female and I will literally just say people who were socialized female because that's really well, the best now, way to put well, it I'm a noob I'm okay. a, I'm a noob here. All right. No. Um, yeah, because it's you, you've never okay. met a girl. Mean by socialized female. The reason I'm asking this, and I'm, the, the reason behind this, because I'm just curious about this from my own upbringing. Um, I was the only boy raised by a mom and two sisters, um, so I had to deal with all the female stuff that they had to deal with, basically. Um, on a regular basis. Um, but I don't think, the way that I hear, when I think of socialized as female, I think of like getting the, mm-hmm. getting pushed toward um, female social skills and aspects more than masculine ones. So help, help, help a guy out here. What do you guys mean? Okay. Noel, do you want to take this first, or I, since since I'm the, the girl shaped from Earth, in the you room. swear, you promise, girl shaped humanoid. Um, I can start with this from Earth. I swear, I'm from I'm, a, I'm just a normal human female doing normal human female things. I swear, um, it's fine. Um, I have a little brother, and so I did get some 
socializing with boy toys and boy stuff. Um, I learned to throw a spiral football. Um, I learned to love sports, but then I have women who love sports on my dad's side of the family. It's a, I inherited my love of sports from women who did traditionally feminine things. They cook, they clean, they talk, we talk out our emotions. We can have a wide range of emotions, but we can never be angry and we can never, ever cry. That's manipulative. If we're crying, it's because we want to do, we want something and we are trying to get the other person to, to bend to our will. So we have to just, you know, be quiet, demure. I got advice like, don't argue with your man from my one grandmother. And she meant well, but she was in her late 90s. And I love I love and miss her very much, but sometimes her advice was misguided. That was... Um, it, because it came from a place where... It was literally the way to survive. Not, and it, yeah, and that was a thing. And it wasn't a healthy thing. Yes. And that's... I live in a different world where we're trying to change that and we're trying to be not in a position where I have to defer to the men in my life to get shit done. You know, it's nice to have you to put out in front and be like, look, here are white guys. They can talk. I will, they will say the thing I just said and you'll think it's great. And then they'll, they'll say, yeah, um, this, this chick over here said that and you should listen to her or whatever um but socialized female is socialized with what society considers typical feminine traits you like to play with dolls you like to cook you like to do you know garden and do tropey girly things whereas okay so Based on that, I was not. All right, great. I was just trying to figure that out. <laughs> okay, yeah. Go ahead. I I would actually take that take it I actually do take it a lot further than that. Um because even though like I have a beard now, my voice is much lower than it used to be. Um I was already I've I've always been tall um for someone who is perceived as female now i'm pretty average height i've i'm already pretty bulky but my job has made me even more so so i'm i'm very much it's pretty unusual for me to be, for me to actually be clocked as being trans um so it's and that's actually happened pretty quick because uh, i've only known bill for what has it been like so three years over, now a little under two years Okay, so a little under two years, and he knew me before I came out. So that's I. I'm very lucky that it was this quick for me, especially because I'm in my 30s. So usually it's not that fast for someone who's past your secondary like set of uh, sexual traits. So there's been more and more things that I have noticed that don't happen if you weren't socialized feminine when you're socialized female you are socialized to notice all the little things that need to get done in a space in order to maintain that space and it is expected of you that you are going to take care of that you're not necessarily going to ask other people to help you if you do ask other people to help you then either you're nagging or it's something that you're asking them to do specifically maybe even on a repeated basis but they're not going to notice other things to do 
necessarily like maybe they might some guys do eventually like learn and internalize that in order to maintain their own spaces but that's why there is the stereotype of the bachelor pad of it being grimy because you know they don't clean behind the faucets of it being like things everywhere because they don't notice where to put it or they don't have a quote-unquote artistic eye i'm gonna tell you I work with a lot of designers in a lot of different fields, mostly just to help them get their stuff done. Men have artistic eyes. They can see when something looks cluttered and a bad cluttered versus a good cluttered. That There's absolutely zero excuse for that, except that this is the way that they were socialized. They were not socialized to notice the dust and do something about it because when you're raised even if you're the boy in with two two sisters and a mom you still were not necessarily asked to notice all those things you might have been asked to help with them but you weren't asked to notice them and so that's when we get into discussions around uh like the invisible labor which we've talked we've seen talked about sometimes in some spaces of of having the running checklist in your head right so just because someone who socialized female can ask someone who is socialized male to can you please make sure that the coffee table has been wiped down they still have to remember to ask someone to do that which means that they still had to do at least that invisible labor of keeping track of the fact Mm -hmm. that it's now dirty right that's those are all things that are attributed directly to having been socialized female because it's work that is given to people who are perceived as female assigned let's be honest it's assigned and it goes back to this very archaic idea that men are too busy making all the money and handling all of the external things to deal with children and housework and as women have said, no, we would like jobs too. And people have realized that women are really good at doing things besides housework and children. There hasn't been an equal socialization the other direction for men to be brought into the sphere of parent, housekeeper, you know, fully realized partner. So lots of women who are in Uh, heterosexual relationships or even anyone who's socialized female who's in a gay relationship with somebody who was not that person does twice the work and then gets yelled at for being a nag and then when you have the cases of the men that are shown that are actually trying to like be the stay-at-home dad dealing with their kids because they want their wife is out making work they get ridiculed for being a stay-at-home dad and doing all the things that moms do. And it doesn't help other men that need to go through and realize that you need to do this shit. (laughs) (laughs) But, or even even when they're not actually ridiculed and they they're overpraised yes. for it it you don't get a fucking gold <laughs> star for for being in charge of the kids that you helped create yes. and that yep. that's a trope that drives me insane and i love i i saw a commercial today for oreos with a black dad <laughs> and a black baby child um i'm not going to assign any gender to the child because it was a child shaped child and i 
don't care. Um, it's an, it, <laughs> well, was it was shaped. maybe like six at the oldest. But it's this beautiful, beautiful black child, beautiful black dad with natural dreads. Everybody is very authentic and they're playing and Mm -hmm. the kid is making fun of dad because dad's on the phone and dad's handling grown up shit and is like, but I want you to play now. And it was just this beautiful, wholesome, natural, this, this man in a community that is traditionally not known for nurturing male role models is being a nurturing male role model in a food commercial. I would push back just a little bit on that because it's not that it's not that the black community is not known for nurturing good nurturing male role models. It's that it has been deprived of the ability to do so due to mass incarceration. That is also fair. Um, But yes, that is fair that there is a depriving um, of nurturing male role models because of mass incarceration. There's also a lot of homophobia that also contributes to the lack of being able to socialize in a positive emotional way. Which is all colonial bullshit. I, that's the thing it's just like the nurturing father that's a colonial bullshit thing the fear of homosexuality that's a colonial bullshit thing like so many of these things that we say are part of this culture are things that were very much like here like it's yours now you get to internalize it and keep it because, because you know white people like we, this is something that you should value in their in their mm-hmm. self-flagellation and then they want to be able to look down yeah. on it. I, I, So I worked on an incredible show that came from the UK called The Barbershop Chronicles. Entirely black cast, entirely black, almost entirely black crew that came with it. Um, and one of the things that was said in the show, one of the phrases that everyone in the show knew, and in fact, when they... Um, when the characters say it on, they all complete each other's phrase. Like it's apparently that well-known of a phrase. This was my first time interacting with it. It went, uh, when, when the white man came, we had all the land and they had the Bible. They taught us to pray with our eyes closed. And when we opened our eyes, they had all the land and all we had was the Bible. And like that, that's so powerful. Just the first time I heard it, I was just, absolutely blown away because it's such a succinct take on colonialism and the way that we weaponized religion which we hold as being this like every every major civilization holds religion to be a pretty important and sacred part of their development which given the role that religious like sects have had in furthering education and health and community and all those things like that's entirely understandable but the fact that fucking white people weaponized our religion not way beyond just like going on crusades and shit like that because of course like different people with different belief systems did war but we literally weaponized it against entire other races in order to subjugate them as much as we could because we were able to say you know obedience is such a huge virtue so as a lesser creature you should be obedient and we perpetrated this to such a ridiculous intent that it has now been internalized by entire countries and like 
And now we're like, oh, no, we're going to go and we're going to make sure that no one is, you know, mutilating girls by doing uh, uh, what is the uh, the female genital mutilation. Like, we're going to go and rescue them from this. It's just another way to colonize because this is something we brought them. They didn't have it before us. We did this. Yeah. And now. And now we're like, we're going to fix it because we have to be the white savior. And I just. These communities know how to fix it. We just have to fucking listen to them. And stop not owning our bullshit. I mean. <laughs> Which goes back to <laughs> Tiffany. Fucking Tiffany. And so here we are. And full the WWE circle. not. Yes. And WWE not fucking captioning things. Like, you need to own the bullshit. Yeah. You have to own the bullshit. We, like, there, I see this backlash all the time of people being like, oh, okay, so being white is a terrible thing. No, being white is an incredibly privileged thing that you need to examine on a day-to-day basis. That is your work as a white person, and that is what you owe the rest of the fucking world. Well, I saw the commercial. Um, I I actually saw two commercials. There was one a couple of years back with um, the guy that played Eric Foreman from House, and uh, I guess it might have been actually his daughter um, in like a fairy princess tent, and she was teaching him how to eat an Oreo. But I went through, and uh, it was Wiz Khalifa that and his son Sebastian that you were talking about. And that boy had so much sass in that commercial. It was it was awesome. <laughs> yeah, because the Oreo commercial. Yeah, isn't it precious? It's so precious. We're gonna have to post links to these damn commercials so you can appreciate how adorable they are. Um. And I mean, the fact that I, the fact that it is now in good corporate interest to produce commercials like this yes like i'm okay with that like i have a lot of problems with capitalism because it is basically just another way of white people being colonizers mm-hmm. <laughs> but but at the same time at the, when the corporations come back and say yeah we did this on purpose we're proud of it too bad like with the campbell soup commercial with the two dads mm-hmm. That people flipped out of over a couple of years ago. Oh my god, it's a Star Wars commercial. How am I supposed to explain to my son about two dads? <laughs> Just like <laughs> you should be uncomfortable. Like that's we we owe it to everyone else on this fucking planet to be uncomfortable. And to have to face all of the crap that we have done and and be uncomfortable in doing the work to undo it which is a which i believe is unfortunately we do need corporations to back up uncomfortableness when they put out an issue that is important from simple as two dads on a commercial to the gillette ad that came through that was Um, that was some good shit hefty I did not fully unpack that one because it kind of came out while I was in the middle of a rather long version of Othello. (laughs) (laughs) So I didn't have time to get to really dive into it. But uh, I mean, I know there was some stuff to unpack there that but, you know. I, I also love the the small amount of backlash that they got, that which was like, okay, so if we're going to do this, can we please stop the pink tax on all your 
fucking razor. <laughs> yeah, it's the okay. This is nice. The next thing is stop fucking charging women more for razors. Fuck you. Literally the same fucking razor. Same fucking razor. This is why I use my grandpa's safety razor and buy like ten for five dollars fucking standard yeah. single edge razor blades. It's the best damn shave I've ever had. <laughs> Fight the patriarchy with the tools of the patriarchy. <laughs> That's. I mean. They make them pretty easy to acquire. And they're pretty fucking useful things. Um, I mean, I shave like three times a year, but it's nice to get it right the first time and not be covered in nicks. I fight the patriarchy by not shaving. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, there's a level to which that's a thing. Like, I, when I was still having to present female, um, I had an incredible discussion with someone at one of my workplaces about shaving underarm hair. And the conversation that I had with her from like the interactions that I had with other people who had then had conversations with her afterwards, that made a difference. And was that a scary conversation to have with her? Yeah, it was. She was a freaking supervisor and I was just an agent. Like that there is a level to which when you give pushback to people who are above you in a hierarchy is definitely a risk. And again, that goes back to that is something we have to acknowledge as being people who are higher in a system who are advantaged in a system. Like we have to acknowledge that and make space for that and make people feel safe to be able to come to us uh, and, and bring up things that we have done or things that we can influence uh, and say, Hey, Anyway, this is this is much less a conversation about gender than I guess I thought it was going to be, but I just it's something that I've been thinking about it, a lot because there's so much parallelism. You're right though because the conversation is the, the one we you're have. You're right though. Um I in my job, I'm in a supervisory role. Um my team is mostly Latino or other minorities. Um I have one other white guy on my team. Um but we, I've had uh gay trans everything coming through my team and if it wasn't for people as it wasn't for actually like trying to stay curt and stay woke about the issues that are coming through i don't think i'd be able to have the discussions with my team when i get an escalation that basically boils down to okay so you're saying the only reason that you wanted to talk to me because they sounded black, right? And even though they gave you all the correct answers, you didn't like the slight sound of their voice, which was professional mm. and polite, but they had an ethnic-sounding name. There's so many times in one of my jobs where I had to, where I explained to one of my bosses that the reason why one of the guys on my team was getting an escalation was 100%. Like, he would get frustrated, but every time that I listened to one of his calls and I could hear the other side of the call, he was being antagonized by people because he had a King's English way of speaking, which people associate with people from the Indian subcontinent. And he was from the Indian subcontinent. Um and so people would antagonize him about the answers that he gave. And then he would get really frustrated with him because he didn't have a ton of patience for this shit. Can you fucking blame him? No. Um, and so, but the, like the, our supervisor would frequently 
be really frustrated with him for escalating with customers because he pushed back on them. And I finally was like, I like saw the whole thing was like, okay, but they're in, like, they're, these people are instigating him. They're needling him because they want to be able to talk to you because they think they can get that you're going to apologize and give them something that they want. And of course, that's one of the reasons why I didn't stay at that job was because she didn't listen to me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was. <sighs> These are the these are the things that like as a white person, I've never had to deal with. No one has ever gotten on my shit because I was a white guy. Not you know? for not for uh, articulation anyway. No, I I've never I have in fact been told before that I'm very articulate, but it was not a microaggression. No, because it because you're white, it's a compliment. It's only a microaggression when you're leaning in to somebody who does not look like they should sound like that, which is a bullshit thing um, in both directions. Um, which you can take into gender, too, because I, one of the things that drives me crazy is whenever you have... So this happens a lot, unfortunately, to... Um, to trans women where people will be like oh you pass so well it's like honey then don't like don't like don't tell speak. me that you like my dress okay tell me that you like my hair or my like these choices that i have made right tell me that you like that don't tell me that i pass because you're basically then outing me to people like you're then saying you know you're doing a good job but i'm still othering you and that is definitely that's not fucking cool. No. <laughs> so if you see someone who you know is trying to pass, which is its own conversation, and I can unpack the fuck out of that one. Like if you see someone who you know is not cis and they are doing a really good job that day or whatever of trying to pass, don't say you're doing a good job of passing. Tell them something about something that they're doing that you think is is great and like lift them up on a way that they can control that's the same thing when you're like having a conversation with like a little girl someone who has been assigned female and like people are perceiving as female um when you say oh you're so pretty right no that's an inherent thing they have no control over whether or not they're pretty unless they're like you know starving themselves which by the way really young kids are internalizing this shit so don't yeah. If it's not your body, don't talk about that way. It is not your body. Don't talk about its weight. <laughs> this is true. I am living proof of that, to be quite honest. Um, I actually won a a humor speech contest contest with Toastmasters based completely on that. Because whenever my mom would bring me to the doctor, she would talk to the doctor openly in front of me in front of me about how I was so skinny and how she thought I looked like one of the little Ethiopian kids on Sally Struthers. Oh, that's so helpful. Wow. Yes. So when I turned eight, I, I made a goal in my life. Like, you know, I'm tired of my mom worrying about me being skinny. I'm going to make a goal to become fat. (laughs) That's that's a shitty goal. Don't do that. and, And the thing is, because you have your, single mom worrying about other shit you're not gonna go and add that to her and say don't worry mom i'm gonna make a goal to become fat because yeah that's just gonna add to it um the thing is is like i go through it i I went through it i 
took all the humor aspects of it because I am a fat guy. No, no, no. Eric might be going you're, through... You're a big dude in all directions. I'm a fat guy. <laughs> I'm tall, but I'm You're fat. also fucking tall. <laughs> it's also okay to say that you're fat. Like, that's, there, yeah. there is nothing inherently wrong with being fat. Like, I am... I, I might say that I'm built, and I am, but... I, I'm carrying I'm carrying some extra weight around it and I'm not like Same. you have a spare tire, I understand. It, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's when you're when you're trying to say to someone that that if you're trying to validate someone, if your goal is to validate them and not out them and other them, then choose something that is inside of their control to validate. You know? So if if like you have someone who again going back to the little girl and saying oh you're so pretty right they made a choice there or you know you say did you pick out your outfit it looks great on you that that is something that boosts their mm-hmm. confidence and makes them feel like they have control over the way that they're perceived which people do you do have a lot of control over the way that you're perceived but there's a lot of things that people put on you and that isn't something that you should have to carry around like I, I have no plans on spawning. I have no plans on having spawn legs. There you go. It's also not a great idea, given that, you know, once you actually start on on hormones um, as a trans man, you know, there's a lot of extra risks for things, and that's something that I did consider before I started because it was a question that always hangs over you when you're socialized female. Like, do you want kids? When are you getting kids? Not even a do you want. When are you having kids? Right. Yeah, I deal with that at work a lot because I deal with little old ladies. Right, and, and they you know, want to know. Ask, <laughs> it's it's like the first question women ask when they're like, "Oh, you're you're in your late thirties. Do you have kids?" Right. Why is that the first question? I have cats. I have cats. I don't even have cats. I have my my roommate has a cat. He's a really great cat. He's old and he's cranky, but um, it's okay. Everybody thinks you're a dude now. Nobody asks you weird questions anymore. I mean, when they realize I'm not cis, they do. which is fun but uh, yeah when it comes down to it like empower other people especially around trans issues like and don't you know if you have questions for them about the experience of being trans do a fucking google search first because they probably answer your question and if you still have a question specifically for them you better know them real fucking well if you're going to ask them anything about their genitals i'm just saying look one of the best how to how to trans and not be a dipshit um, I have ever come across. I'm going to call out a video game here. Um, thank you. Yes, Bioware does the Dragon Age series. Okay. I just confirming. I mean, I could have booted it up and looked, but whatever. Um, thank you, Bioware, for giving everybody access to all the awkward questions you can ask a trans person and ask a gay person and not get fucking stomped because there is an openly gay man and there is a, there is a trans person in the game and you can ask a bunch of awkward, insensitive questions and get nuanced answers that tell us that's the story of how, creme arrives at being the creme that you are interacting with in the game and dorian's story is absolutely heartbreaking um 
just if you watch the tutorials of playing through those conversations, if you just watch YouTube of playing through those conversations, um, that's probably and a if you good want, place to and get if you started all, on. If you want all the how feels, not to be an insensitive dick um, have either topic and have Cole follow you and bull around for the rest of the. I ugh no. <laughs> I I don't actually play Dragon Age because uh, someone introduced me to Minecraft uh, a while ago, and I just never stopped playing. So if you have any questions okay. <laughs> about Minecraft, Minecraft, Fast and the Furious, uh, feel free to ask me. If you want to ask me about my junk or about like you know how I'm becoming a real man, go fuck yourself. <laughs> I will volunteer things like that's the thing is I'm not uncomfortable with my transness. I'm not uncomfortable with my masculinity because I have been able to construct that for myself. And I think that's something that I kind of wanted to get into, but hadn't really. It's like we have now, now is an excellent time to get into it. <laughs> we have all these expectations of what masculinity should be. And one of, one of the things that I would say is great about being trans is you get to make those determinations for yourself. And cause I have literally had people who I very much loved um, be like, you know, you got to stop with that effeminate stuff. I'm like, no, I fucking don't. <laughs> but like having my effeminate shit does not make me any minute less of a man, any minute less of a man, because I get to choose what, what defines my masculinity and what defines my life as a man. And I think that's one of the nice things about having come to, come out as late as I did was I got to really self-actualize to a lot of degrees. Like I got to make a lot of decisions about uh, like my body and my perception of myself and come to peace with a lot of those before I came out and started asking for to be, to be recognized as the man that I am. So I got to, let me, can, can I ask a question? Um, because we may have young listener, younger listeners that may listen to this against their parents' wishes because of the explicit mm-hmm. tag on it because of all the cursing. Um, if you knew or had the option to transition earlier than you did, I absolutely would have. Would have. Um, I honestly think that a lot of like the things that I struggled with, with depression, with anxiety, with trauma would have very much been lessened if i had transitioned earlier in life with that said um given my particular age like i said i'm I'm in my 30s i'm in my early 30s um if i had transitioned as early as really probably would have been really great like before i actually started developing secondary sexual characteristics um that was a time that it was actually really would have been really dangerous for me. Like, so there's, there's a degree in which like I dodged a lot of bullets by waiting as long as I did, but I also didn't get a lot of the opportunities that I otherwise might would have gotten. So who knows if I had transitioned earlier, if it would have been safe for me, I like to think that it would have been because my family is incredibly supportive. Um, and so I think that in a lot of ways they would have been able to protect me. Um, but I also lived in some pretty dangerous places when I was younger, uh, that, you know, in the deep South. Um, and maybe that wouldn't have been true. Like there might have only been so much they could have protected me from. So you still had to go out. I still had to go out in public. I still had to go to school. I mean, I could have been homeschooled, but that didn't mean that like, 
you know, I wouldn't have lost a lot of other opportunities. So if you are young and you are questioning where you are in gender in your life, continue questioning, but keep yourself safe. You know, listen to the people around you and understand that what they have to say about gender and gender presentation is not stuff that you have to own. That is not stuff that belongs to you. You get to decide what baggage you're going to carry. And that's true of everything in life, not just gender, but particularly around gender. If if people are saying shitty things about uh, like transgender or or gay or anything like that that means they're not necessarily safe people to be around when it comes to being out about these things and it sucks that you have to be the one as a young person who is thinking about this and calculating this but it is the you have to always be able to take care of yourself and keep yourself safe it doesn't matter like any of the rest of that stuff you have to keep yourself safe until the point where you are in a position where you can go ahead with the stuff. And that's, there's that whole, you know, it gets better campaign. It honest to God really does. Once you are in a better, more stable place where you have more control over your life, there are so many more things that you can do for yourself and you have to get there first and it sucks and it's not fair. And, you know, those of us who are older than you are fighting and probably should be doing a lot more work of fighting so that you don't have to be the person keeping yourself safe. But the truth of the world is, is that if you are gay, if you are trans and you are a young person, you are the person who has to take care of yourself and keep yourself safe. Your parents, if they are not supportive, can't be those people sometimes. Um, and they are, if they're not supportive, they are actively rejecting their role, their role as your parents. And that, and that's really sad and difficult to deal with. But, but there are people, there are people out there in your community mm-hmm. and in communities that you will transition into when you're older, who can take care of you and can give you backup and can give you resources. And there's so many of them out there, especially now there's so much more. Like I'm shocked every day when I walk in to, I, I live in Massachusetts and I live in the greater Boston area. And there's a fantastic place here called uh, the Fenway health. Um, and they are incredible about trans and gay health and about giving you resources. And there are resources I didn't know existed that when I walk in, they're like, oh, hey, do you need this? I didn't even know I knew some of I needed some of this stuff. Yeah, I needed that. <laughs> but, but you get it. You get to have it. You know, like there's so much out there and it's only getting more available, especially as the Internet becomes more accessible. You know, it is out there and it okay. won't be that long. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get one grind it out because you're the world is better for you being in it. Um. Two, I'm going to talk about the internet for a second um, and getting access to resources. Uh, the internet is a great tool. However, the internet has an agenda. True. It's, um, and places you access the internet can possibly have filters and other things on those computers that block content. Yeah, that's... That you can't get to, and that's shitty. And um, I'm coming to this from a perspective of a person who went through and acquired a library degree. So um, I'm very anti-filters on content, uh, because there's important fucking information that'll get blocked. 
Um, and it's not just the real stealthy shit, like I can't find stuff on uh, women's health issues, like abortion or birth control. I can't find things about LGBTQ issues. I don't know why. That's really weird. It's things like, I can't research breast cancer. Yeah. So not all computers are safe. Yeah, that's the thing. Call, um, but um, test. Mm -hmm. Find out if your public library is a safe a safer space it should be um if it's not and you are a young person listening to this podcast um email the show <laughs> i will find you information write us at xchromosomepodcast.com i'm not gonna lie librarians should be able to help you find what you need um they know how to get we know how to find things that's our job um, as reference librarians, is finding information. We can find books. We can find websites. Um, we can find community stuff. And I'm on a I'm on a fairly non-filtered, to my knowledge. I don't know what fucking Google has put on. What little fucking things I can't find, because Google says that Americans shouldn't find them, um, and we haven't found out what those are. So we can yell at Google to not be shitty, and stop blocking stuff. But important stuff yes please block uh, child assaulters ability to congregate stop that <laughs> stop their file sharing ability but don't block lgbtq issues all right um, i can find stuff so let we'll help you if there's no one else all right so uh, well do you have any other questions for eric <laughs> Um, that was some awesome shit. Let me just start with that. We got into some neat trope flipping, which is always great. Um, we got into a lot of your experience, which is also pretty fucking awesome. I, I love stories and your story is pretty badass. Um, and seeing that perspective from that you're comfortable and you're willing to come on this podcast and just live out loud like this is amazing. Thank you. Um, we're still recording, David. Um, yes. So I'm very honored that you were that you you came and you talked to us and you lived out loud to us like this. Um, I know we're a tiny podcast right now. It's okay. I, but... I I I love to try to help make it not tiny. Well, speaking of making it not tiny, is there anything that you want to plug or let us know about Eric? Uh, so. I do occasionally write things, so I do in fact have a Patreon. It is not super active at the moment, but I would I always love to have an excuse to write more things. Um, and uh, having a community keeps me honest. So <laughs> if you'd like to be part of that community, uh, check it out. Um, I'm Saint Duma. Uh, I'm pretty easy to find. Um, and then the other thing I would love to plug is actually my roommate. Uh, who is an incredible artist. Her name's Christine Banner. You find her C Christine A. Banner. Um, her art is absolutely incredible and she works with which she works with young musicians, young artists, sort of like that. But she also does uh, incredible stuff that she does on her own as well. Um, so yeah, ChristineABanner.com Make sure to give me those links so I can make sure to put, put them up there with that. All right. Um, oh, I yeah, think this absolutely. is a good place yeah. to wrap this up. Eric? Uh, you were my first guest on my old podcast. You're 
the, the technically the first guest on this podcast. Um, I'm gonna have you on again. <laughs> I, I, I like I like my identity, which was more about individuals. Yeah, we're gonna. This is something where we could go through and bring other people on repeatedly. <laughs> we 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 are also. I've found some basic links for LGBTQ resources um, <laughs> that are awesome that we will append to the show notes so that they yes. are there so you don't even have to contact me. Um, if you have additional needs, please don't be shy. Um, all right. That is all for today. Uh, thank you again, Eric, for being with us. Uh, my name is Bill. I'm Eric. And I'm... And, I and know well. we don't have an outro, so thanks. <laughs> <laughs>